Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Football and Grits. We have a very special show today. Kentucky Offensive Coordinator Liam Cohen on the show leading us off. And we'll talk about, is now the best time in the history of college sports to sell hope? I think so. But what does that mean? What does that look like? And Jaden Rashada has found new life in Arizona State. But what about the questions and the issues that his whole saga presents for the SEC, for college football, for college sports as a whole. We'll talk about all of that. And, of course, Liam Cohen tells us why he loves Ted Lasso. A coach loving Ted Lasso, Brody. Who would have thunk it? Who would have thunk it? That's today's show. Let's get going. Liam, I got to start here. When I talk to coaches, you always hear them, I want to get to the pros. I want to get to the pros. College is tough. The, The hours are tough. You know, calling teenagers, recruiting. You're one of the few that has gone to the pros and come back. What what brought you back? Not only to college football, of course, that's the big picture question, yeah. but to Kentucky specifically. Yeah, uh, thanks again, guys, for having me on. I really appreciate you guys taking the time. Um, this is is a unique place in my mind. Um, you know, Coach Stoops two years ago, you know, gave me a phone call and kind of out of the out of the blue. And did his homework and, and, and ended up hiring me and giving me an opportunity uh, to come call plays in the SEC. Um, that was a, a huge leap of faith on his part. Um, a lot of trust. And, and, you know, when you have a coach, your boss, who believes in you and truly sees the vision for his program and you can uh, get all on board with that, um, that was really cool to be a part of. And then, shoot, well, Sean calls me back, and after they go and win a Super Bowl at a place that truly got me involved in the profession at a high level, Sean took a chance on me coming from an FCS school as a you know assistant position coach you know, in 2018. I felt like I also owed him the opportunity to try to come back and help him and help Matthew Stafford and get to know all those guys and be with some of the guys that I had a great relationship with prior. So you end up doing that, and um, – Hey, it didn't work out. We, we didn't have a great season. Um, things with injury bug, all those things hit you. And then you start to realize as much as I loved going back and helping Sean and being a part of that and really learning again. That was the, the big goal of going back to L.A. was to continue to really learn and grow my football knowledge. Um, well, you learn you really miss calling plays. And you really missed kind of running the show. And uh, Coach Stoops does an unbelievable job here of letting us coaches coach and truly letting us be ourselves. And um, uh, so from a professional standpoint, that was probably the reasons and things like that to make both of the moves. But really, personally, my son was born here two years, you know, almost two years ago now. Um, The culture, the family aspect, the community. um, And and I honestly missed a little bit the relationships that you do build and the impact that you have on 17 to 21, 22-year-old kids' lives. Um, I loved working with the Rams, the pros, but 
at some parts, I just didn't feel like I was making a difference in the world. What, what percentage all. did the bourbon quality play? <laughs> I'm not a big bourbon guy. I just never. <laughs> Fair enough. I don't know enough. I need to be educated a little bit more on the whole bourbon thing. But it's like a world, man. It's like once you're into it, you have to go all the way into it. So you got to choose. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I just I never really quite got into it. But the, the, <laughs> the place, though, the place, Lexington. The people, the fan base, the players, the coaches um, loved L.A., loved the Los Angeles Rams is the most, one of the, I mean, unbelievable organization, top to bottom. Les Snead, Kevin Demoff, all right, Tony Pastores, Sean, the whole thing is big time. And they gave me a great opportunity, but I just felt like maybe something was missing. Mm-hmm. You know, something was missing in kind of the day-to-day uh, I'm still still feel like I'm young enough to be able to pour into these kids and try to make a difference in their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you guys will get to to your you guys' future in, in a second, but I think you know it's it's draft season, Liam. You've got a very interesting perspective, I'm sure, on on Will Levis, and mm-hmm. I find we've talked a lot about him on this show, and not only him and his talents and and what he's done, but the sort of discourse around him, the draft conversation around him is is very interesting yeah. because you look at where he's projected to draft, you look at the production, and people say something's not, you know, I, I don't get it. There's a there's a there's a, a large sect of college football and NFL fans that are like, you know, I I, I don't know about this guy, I don't know about this mm-hmm. guy. For, for you, from your perspective, what do you see when you – or what do you think when you hear that conversation and what do the people who don't get Will Levis not seeing that you've seen? Right. You know, I, I look at Will's body of work and you really think about it, He played two years truly playing quarterback. Two. Before that, he was a glorified running back. Mm-hmm. Penn State wouldn't let him throw. <laughs> wouldn't let him throw. You know, I mean – it's crazy to me, but hey, it didn't work out, you know. And he's played two years in a in a high level pocket and playing the position, and he can walk out there and operate everything underneath the center, which the NFL game is still played underneath the center. I don't care, thirty two teams, they're all getting underneath the center and being able to operate and can Oscar alert the all the things that you need to be able to do he can do he'll walk in and do right now you don't have to teach him any of that and oh by the way he's he's got a rocket ship for an arm so doesn't hurt if you yeah it doesn't hurt and he's only played two years of ball and he's going to be the first one in the building and the last one to leave and you're never going to have to like hey we need more bro we need more out of you today if anything it's more hey we got to hone in this talent hone in you know the way you work and the way you operate to slow yourself down a little bit. If you look at Daniel Jones, what was Daniel Jones's last year at Duke's stats? Not going to jump off the page at you, yeah. I think. <laughs> and you, what was Josh Allen's? Not, not, good, not very good, actually. Actively, yeah. actively yeah. bad, I would say. So, yeah. yes, it matters. No question. Like, your tape is your resume. I, I'm completely on board with that. I just feel like, personally – Will's best football is ahead of him still. And if he can get into the right situation with the right guys around him, the right coaching staff, there's an enormous talent there that um, I think he, he, he just can really continue to get better. Now, okay, back to you. I mean, 
So, you know, an NFL guy coming to college, bringing ideas, that's something, you know, we've seen, right? But now you're in a specific situation of you went back to NFL. What I'm curious, I mean, one, what did you almost bring to LA from your experience to UK? And now coming back a second time, like how different is the Liam Cohen I, that you're bringing in now compared to two years ago? Yeah, we, we had to operate a little bit differently in 2021 at Kentucky than we did in Los Angeles. Just different personnel, different people different volume that the guys can really handle the amount of time that you have to meet with them is not even close. So we did have to maybe trim the inventory of what we were doing here at Kentucky versus versus what we were doing in LA. Um, But it, from there to go back to Los Angeles, it was more familiarity, right? I knew all the offense from LA. I had a really strong relationship with Sean to be able to help him, you know, in terms of scripting and anything he can do in installation. So um, that was a great experience to be able to go back and also then go learn what I missed from the Super Bowl run. What were they doing in a Super Bowl run on offense that we weren't, I wasn't a part of. Yeah. So I was able to go learn some of those things. And that a lot of that came to do with Matthew Stafford and being able to throw the football around the yard, which was great. I got to learn more. Um, but then to come back as well is adversity, dealing with, with adversity, how do, we lost all those linemen, had all those injuries. Well, we have to figure out a new way to win almost every week and trying to deal with adversity, but also hey, each week we might have to game plan differently or try to put our guys in the best position to be successful. It's not always about the scheme. It's about the players and what they can handle. And that's helped me with this transition back, maybe even kind of deloading some of the install and plays that we put in to be able to help these guys be able to go out and execute at a high level. And and now I got to ask, okay, just non-football. I mean, you are a Northeasterner, right? I mean, and I'm from Jersey, so I understand yeah. the transition from north to south. I mean, and then you spent a year in, in Lexington. What is, what is the place that you are, like, excited to go back to now that you're back? Do you have a spot? Um, I mean, I love Drake's and Malone's out here. Okay. Man. I mean, it's just one of the best restaurants in the, in the area. Bruce and Melinda Drake are the two of the best human beings out there, and they really help us out so much. They're so good to us. And Melinda helped sell my house. I mean, just oh, shoot. That, type okay. of, that type of place, the type of place like that. I mean, the golf courses are amazing out here as well. And Keeneland's a complete, absolutely. I mean, unbelievable opportunity. Good, good, really good deal that we go to. And, um, but really it's the people that make this place. Um, you know, you go anywhere and Hey coach, good luck and welcome to have you back. And it's not about ego. Yeah. Is it nice? Sure. But it's really cool being at a place that cares, that loves sports, loves athletics, and loves football. And I'm from the Northeast, like you said, and then went out to L.A. L.A., they're not well, a coach. I mean, they don't know who I am. It's not about <laughs> me, but it's about the culture, the place that yeah. uh, being in a place that really cares is, is really fun for us as a family. Yeah, Liam, I'm told it just means more. I'm, I'm, yeah. I've heard that. I've heard that a time or two. Uh, <laughs> also, by the way, the show is sponsored by uh, Drake and Melinda's. Uh, <laughs> make sure we get that. <laughs> uh, Liam, you guys are you're in a really interesting personnel space moving forward with Kentucky. I think we all saw, you know, Barry and Brown, all the promise that he had last year. You you get the the jewel of the transfer portal and Devin Leary. What do you make of this group? That has obviously changed over, but I don't think anybody's arguing the potential. When you look at Kentucky's offense in 2023, 
what are your expectations? Yeah, we might like you like you mentioned, we have to be a little bit different than we were in 2021, right? We had a lot of veteran offensive linemen 2021 year, right? We had a quarterback that could really run around and do some things. The quarterback run game in 2021 with Will was a huge advantage for us. And then we had two Wandell Robinson, Josh Ali could really make plays and and then Chris Rodriguez hand the ball off to and you know you're getting four. But as you guys mentioned, we have these couple of young receivers out there that are explosive. Um, a quarterback that has lived in the gun and really is more of a surgeon at quarterback to be able to pick you apart and play the position, you know, forward facing. We got a new running back. It's just a little bit different. We're working on some of the things that we did in 2021 that we did well, but also how do we incorporate maybe some of the things Devin's done well in NC State. And some of the things that we learned from L.A. last year with Matthew in the drop back pass game. So trying to implement some of those schemes while also not overloading some of these young receivers as they really start to get more involved in the offense. It, it can be uh, challenging as you go and trying to be able to simplify this thing. But we're, we do have some talent. It's more so just about really seeing can we strain all the time and do the things that we're asking them to do right all the time and go play with your hair on fire. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Is there anything you learned from working with Will as a transfer that you can almost apply to working with Devin? Or is it different because obviously Devin has been starting for a while? No, it's actually there's a lot of parallels because right, Penn State and us at Kentucky, there's going to be carryover of concepts, right? There's naturally all of college football, all of football in general. There's natural overlap. But they might have just called something a different word. And so then we can connect that. And say, hey, Devin, have you ever run something like this? Yeah, well, we called it, you know, okay. old brown shoe. And we call it, you know, blue shoe. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. That's a good way for us to be able to connect the dots on some of the things maybe that he's done, that we do, and to be able to kind of merge that thing together. It kind of expedites some of the learning process and the learning curve. Sure. What could Devin do that that has separated him and obviously made him so so coveted when he went in the portal um, from from a guy that you know obviously is coach QBs? What do you see in him right. that makes him special? He's cerebral. Um, he's he can see the game and process things uh, at a high level. Um, you know, arm strength, extremely extreme good arm strength, extremely good arm strength. I mean, he can push the ball down the field accurate with good touch underneath, but it's his processing of the game that helps him play ahead. 
you know, he can be ahead of the game a little bit. Almost, you know, like Matthew Stafford, there was times that he'd come off the sideline and he would tell me what all 11 on the defense did on that play. And I'm just like blown away. I'm looking at this high-low over here, <laughs> you know, and he's telling me, oh, well, the right defensive end came out of the field. I saw this. I saw, like, whoa, jeez. You know, how about this high low over here? But his he saw that a lot of the good, really good ones can see it all without it affecting their play. Right. They use it to an advantage. Well, Devin does see a lot of things and can help anticipate some of his decisions and movements that he makes. Now, also, hey, now, how do we you know hone that in at this level and at this point and where we are in the install? Hey, sometimes seeing a little is better than seeing a lot. I can't even do that on Madden with the overhead view. Uh, how, how much of that? How much of that can be taught, and how much of that is like uh, like they used to talk about, like Lance Armstrong with his like yeah. resting heart rate? How much yeah. of that is innate versus like you can learn to see all eleven? It's pretty innate in a lot of ways, you know. I mean, I think mm-hmm. you look at experience obviously helps both. You know, you look at Matthew Stafford, thirteen year NFL vet. I mean, he's seen so much ball that he can accumulate those reps and use mm-hmm. them to experience, you know, I'm not saying Devin and him are similar in a lot of ways, but in terms of Devin seeing a lot of ball and he can help teach some of the ball to the receivers and to the other position groups and to the other quarterbacks. So where he can help out with some of the technique and fundamentals and decision-making. Um, he does a nice job of canceling things out pre-snap. He can say no right now, based on the look of the defense, and be able to help him get through his progressions, which I think helps him play fast. I'm, I'm always interested to ask offensive play callers this. I mean, you know, you said you're going to have to change some things. You have different personnel. Like, how much of you are you the kind of coach who wants to, like, you have your system and you want to, you want everyone working in tandem, or are you the kind of guy who wants to, like, I like figuring out how to put this new puzzle together because it's different. Is that the fun part? That is the fun part. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's never – to me, we have a base foundation and core beliefs and the way that we want to play the game and is in alignment with our team's culture and the way Coach Stoops wants this program to be run. Um, but it's always about players, not plays. It's never going to be, well, he can't run this play or he can't run that route. Well, how can we help him do that? Or if it's not the best thing for him to do, what's the best thing that he does do well? And let's try to work on that. So um, it's never going to be about play, you know, plays over players. Um, how many times can we get the ball into our best players' hands as many times as possible? Because typically that's how you win the game. As somebody who was an outsider to his program, why do you think that Mark has had so much success at a place yeah. that hasn't enjoyed a ton of success historically? Um, consistency. Consistency in terms of his demeanor. Um, the people that he, you know, he brings into the program, both coaches, players, staff, everybody. Um, typically, like when I got here, everybody was very much in alignment. I felt like with what the goals of the program were, what's the culture of the mm-hmm. program. Um, it's not a revolving door so much because there's every year's a new team. But the foundation of this program is built on toughness and on hard nose and on blue collar being to come to work every day and we're going to outwork you, out tough you. And um, that's something that we're continuing to work on right now. But um, he's a player's coach that can also come in and he, he knows when it's not right and he'll let them know. But these kids seem to really love to play for him, which I would too. I love working for him. I mean, he's, 
he does all the right things. He lets you coach, but he instills belief in both the players and coaches, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Well, Liam, I'll let you go on this. I'm always curious uh, when I talk to coaches after you have, you know, looked at tape of Kentucky's next opponents for the next 10 years and called every recruit you guys are recruiting for the next five years. You got some time at home and you fire up your favorite streaming service. What are you, what are you watching right now? Oh, uh, right now? Um, Ted Lasso. Okay. Right. Yeah. Are you, are you caught up? Yeah. Yeah. We're caught up. Okay. How much of, how much of Ted Lasso's coaching techniques do you incorporate yeah. in your own? Good work? question. In our wall, in our offensive staff room, we have the belief sign right up. No way. Really? <laughs> yeah, That's awesome. Is that, a, is that an order? Is that a custom made? Who My wife, it? Ashley, got us a calendar, and then also we just custom made one. Yeah. Nice. So it's, That's it's awesome. A great That's show, really cool. You know? All There's right. So That's a better answer than we were ready for. Yeah. yeah. There's so many more lessons in that in that show, really, if you really watch it. It's, it's a cool one. And then we're watching The Shrinking as well. It's a good show as well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's a good one. What's, Same what's, family. What's so you really – you, you, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, keeping in the Bill Lawrence family. What is your favorite lesson you've taken away from, from Ted Lasso? I love the goldfish reference. You know, the mm-hmm. goldfish. We reference that with our players. You know, got to be like, like the goldfish of the shortest memories of all the animals, right, they say. So for good or for bad out there, how many times can we be a goldfish in terms of, hey, moving on, playing the next play? for good or for bad, how we can continue to do that. And then also just the connection of the people and what makes that team great is their connection and their love and their bond. And to me, that's when you have uh, good teams. Mm-hmm. If I played for you, if I ever missed an assignment, I'd be like, well, coach, you said goldfish. I forgot. <laughs> that's how I would win. But, you know, that's why I'm not playing at Kentucky. And then you get your butt ripped. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. No, it's good. And I watched anytime I don't know what to watch, I'm watching, you know, The Last Dance. Talk okay. Well, Liam, we really appreciate it. Thank yeah. you for Thank you so uh, for joining the yeah. show. Good luck to you. We got to get. Uh, the next time you guys have a big game, we got to get Jason Sudeikis to make a cameo in the Kentucky wow, locker. He's a Kansas fan, if I recall. True. But uh, maybe we can get him some some UK gear <laughs> and, and get him to uh, to head over there. Just tell him that you guys are uh, Britain's favorite uh, <laughs> college football team. I appreciate <laughs> Thank you. Man. Liam, good luck to you yeah. this year, and uh, we appreciate so you joining the show. Absolutely. Guys, I really appreciate you having me on. With Liam Cohen behind us, uh, Brody, I wrote a column this week. Um, I've noticed some things and when I hear coaches talk um, on signing day specifically, but sometimes in recruiting in general, you know, you hear, Oh, we met all our needs, blah, 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 blah. Our program's getting ready to go to the next level, blah, 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 blah. So-and-so yada, yada, yada. This is the greatest recruiting class we've ever signed. Well, numbers don't lie. Sometimes coaches are being honest. Usually those coaches are named Nick Saban. Or Kirby Smart. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. When he says that they filled all their holes and they've taken their program to the next level, I tend to believe it. Other coaches, I'm not so sure. But Brody, I think we've entered an, an interesting era, and I think we can debate the why when yeah. you talk about is NIL an equalizer? I think it's too soon to say. Yes. Is the transfer portal an equalizer or a situation where rich get richer? I think that's somewhat of a Rorschach test. I don't really know the why. I think we're going to be talking about that for a while. For years, yeah. But I think what is true, based on what we've seen, TCU, the 32nd most talented team in America, just behind Georgia Tech and Missouri, play for a national title with a first-year coach. 
And a final four, Brody, um, which has featured not the most talented teams in the country. One no. top 18 class, zero yep. McDonald's All-Americans in this final four. Two bona fide Cinderella's in uh, San Diego State from a conference that had never advanced past the Elite Eight. Or never advanced past the Sweet 16, if I'm not mistaken. Believe so. Florida Atlantic, zero zero tournament wins before this tournament. Now they're in the final four. Yeah. Why not just go do the whole thing in year one? Um, and by the way, just to jump on that, like before yes. you get to your question, they're not even like, oh, like uh, we all watch a lot of Cinderellas. We're like, ah, like I'm psyched for them, but like I don't really want to watch them anymore. You know what I'm saying? We've all had mm-hmm. those, like where it's like they don't. This is fun. These ones, every one of them, they're like, oh, they are playing like a four, one of the four best teams in the country. Like yeah, FAU is not an eight or nine seed. They look like a top yes. ten basketball well, team. Well, I thought FAU, you know, we don't cover college basketball. I watched them a decent amount this year. It was, I know, just the way that the metrics go, they were clearly underseeded. Like, yes, it was absolutely. criminal the way that, I mean, they were ranked like half the year. So, yeah, like, the top eight, right, 18th like, in like, They're yeah. clearly one of the 20 best teams in the country. But now they, they got hot. They're playing at the right time. All that to say, Brody. Yeah. I still believe stars matter. I'm still arm in yeah. arm with our good friend, Ari Wasserman, friend of the show. Uh, but if you want to make the case that stars don't matter as much, now is the time. This is your moment. You can sell, hey, look what TCU did. Hey, look at the Final Four. And then you can also flip it and say, hey, look at AM. They signed the best class ever and then went five and seven and finished last in the SEC yep. West in year five with a national championship coach. Yeah. What do we like? I, I I don't even. I think we can. Where this goes is interesting, but I just think that to me, that's what stood out about this Final Four and, and the national championship game. That there's a lot of people who shouldn't be there. Well, I say shouldn't. I don't mean yeah, that. In a I, we know what you mean. I don't yeah. mean that in a pejorative way. I just mean in a mathematical way. They're yeah. defying a lot of trends. Um, and it's an interesting world, and and I think the why is interesting. But I think just acknowledging that, hey. We're in a place now where maybe you don't have to have all the best talent to get to the get to the promised land. Well, I think it's yes and no. I think it's I think what Ari like I'm using Ari as the example, but all of us always talk about because we all are stars matter people. But what mm-hmm. we mean by that, at least most of us, is recruiting matters. It, the st- the focus on the stars might be a little short sighted sometimes, even though like of course, like most of the time those guys are really good at the job. They're usually pretty accurate on who's the best. And but like it's recruiting matters, but recruiting is complicated. And I think it and uh I mean not to step on things we're gonna do in the future, but like sometimes it's then like, well, but Clemson develops and it's about development, not recruiting. No guys, it's all of it cohesive because the part we leave out in all of this somehow in this debate is evaluation. Like mm-hmm. that's the part that makes me kind of like and guys annoyed. That fit. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, even better. Like, I mean, I cover LSU and Brian Kelly. Like, they spend more time than anywhere I've ever been around, like, fit and, like, personality and all that stuff. So it's like, yes, stars matter. And by the way, Georgia's part of why Georgia's so good is because they have such a good system and they have such a good, well run program. And they're pretty good at evaluating which guys are actually good and fit and all that. So I say all that to say, I don't know if we're at the, well, to your point, I don't know if we're at the point where like a leveling with NIL and all that, but what I do think is happening is NIL and I think we're actually seeing college football, I'm, I'm, I'm getting all over the place here, but college football start to see what was happening in the last 10 to 15 years in college basketball with one and done. Not the same, not one-to-one the same, but I feel like if you look, one and done took over college basketball, mm-hmm. right? But how many one and done teams won titles? 
two, I think, really. And even like 2015 Duke had a lot of veterans on it. You know, like it's not really those teams that won. The teams that won were Nova or the UNC team in 2018 that had like four seniors or Louisville and like all these teams. It's you saw a little bit of a, a leveling already there because, yes, you want the most talented guys, but you also need the three- to four-year guys. And you saw that. And I and we're, it's not the same. But I do think in college football we're seeing a slight thing of, yes, you want the best players and you want the transfer portal and you want to hit it. Some teams are great at it, but you're also seeing some teams, like a Michigan, for example, have more cohesion and have be a more well-run program, and that's what leads to, to success. Yeah, I think I'm going to sound like a coach here, Brody. So Hell I yeah. apologize. I've been, I've been talking to too many coaches lately, but I'm going to use the C word. <laughs> but it matters. Sorry, producer. But like uh, you're talking about culture, you can define that a million different ways you want to. But I think at the end of the day, as we move into a modern era where players have more agency, both in earning money for themselves and being able to pack their bags and say, see ya, you know, when you say, when a coach says my way or the highway, that highway is a lot nicer than it used to be. And it's <laughs> got a lot more like really nice stops along the way that when you yeah. hit the highway, you can end up in maybe a better place. So I think when we talk about culture, that can define that in a million different ways. But I think at the core, the places that are going to succeed over the next 10 years are places where a lot of guys want to be, where they wake up and Absolutely. say, I want to be in the facility. Um, you know, I was out in Arizona. Uh, we'll talk about this Jade Rashada thing a little bit later. I was out in Arizona last week and, you know, I spent some time with Kenny Dillingham and obviously he's a younger coach. Well, I say younger, literally the youngest coach, yeah. 32 youngest head coach in the FBS right now. But he was like, yeah, you got to work. Like it's, it's still a, you know, work. He's like, but if you can go and say, Hey, yeah, we're going to have to grind a little bit, but I'm going to enjoy the grind. And he builds, he talks a lot about joy and joy in his program. Hmm. And if you can have that and grind with a smile on your face, you're going to be more successful than the guys that are grinding and are miserable. And I think the coaches that can figure out a way to do that, to mix. Yeah. It's a lot of hard work. There's a lot of practice. There's a lot of reps. There's a lot of tape study. There's a lot of stuff. That's not the most fun things to do, but if you can do that and make it fun and make it competitive and, get it to a point where guys enjoy being in the program. I think those are the programs that are really going to thrive in the, we can call it the player empowerment era. I think you have to, yeah. we're there now um, because player, like if you can transfer somewhere and make money and have more fun and win, and you don't have to sit out a year and you know, you know, that, that leaving your program is a much lower cost than it used to be. You know, those programs that are, you know, all grind all the time. We're going to work and every win is a relief. It's not fun. We're not, we don't dance here. We don't, you know, you're going to have trouble feeling depth. I really feel like that. So it's true. As far as the, why this is happening, you know, I, I think that's, there's not one answer. I think it's a lot of, of different things, not. but I do. The one thing I feel strongly about is that you can, those, the transfer portal bounce backs, guys that can thrive in different areas that are poor fits at some of the major programs sometimes. I think you can really win with those guys. And I do feel confident that, hey, not I'm not going to say players coach because I actually think that has like a negative connotation. Agreed. But again, I think, I don't want to use the term players coach, but I want to use the term just a players program. Who have, coaches who have the ability to relate to people. I don't a know. A program yeah. full of people 
that don't feel like they're going into a job every day. Yeah, even though it very much is, is a way. job. Yeah, I think that's that. I, I think are the places that are going to thrive in the player empowerment era of however long this lasts in college football. And by the way, when we say culture, like it sounds like this. Um, like I think a lot of people when they hear culture, they think like, do we get along and stuff like that, and like. No, it's it's do you believe like it's everything. It's do you believe all the right things? Do you handle things correctly? All that stuff like and by the way, I don't think this is this if there's like one theme of the show. It's not that we think stop having the best players is going to be less valuable. No, I don't think that and you don't think that. It's but it's what's always kind of been true. It's but still really about who runs a good program. The same reason Alabama and Georgia aren't just good because they get the best players. It's because they do the most with them. And I and I can show you the top five of every single year in the last 10 years. And there's usually one or two programs that don't get the most out of similar talent. Texas over the last decade, A&M over the last decade. Like it's not just about talent is the point. Talent is everything, but it's not just about talent. But back to culture, it's like I have a story up today on how like LSU went from one player hitting 20 miles per hour and training to nine in a year. And I asked all these training guys and these scientists like, OK, how'd you do it? Like, And they're like rejecting any notion that it had anything to do with like some exercise or training that they're doing. And it has everything they talked about was how like they're seeing a direct correlation between do you take your vitamins on time every day? Do you get the right amount of sleep? And like, are you doing the right things? Are you parking in the wrong spot? Like all this stuff. And it's like, and my point of that is to say that's culture. Like, are you doing the right things that those guys having the right people that leads to success? So it's just more complicated than a guy who, and to your point, wants to be there. And that's such a big part of it. Yeah. I think I, I hate that word because it is so overused and it can be this sort of amorphous thing. But I think at this core, it's that does everyone understand the expectations and the how and the why of yeah. every like every little piece of glass on the mosaic that's a program does everybody get it and is everybody rowing in the same direction yeah. i think that because it is so different everywhere if you go to you know arizona state or alabama or michigan or ohio state or clemson it's very different vibes. It just is yeah. totally different places and totally different programs. And they just operate in very, very different ways, Absolutely, um, but they can all succeed. So, you know, it's, uh, it's a fascinating uh, world and, and college football is changing and it's very interesting to watch. <laughs> it Absolutely. is. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right, we got to hit on. Uh, so I did talk to a bunch of coaches about Jaden Rashada. Yeah, great um, piece. Everyone should go read it. I agree. I think everyone should go read it. It's a controversial take. It's a bold take, but I'll I'll <laughs> I'll go there. Who wrote I'll, it? Yeah, I'll be the one who says it. Hey, everyone in the world should read David Evans' piece on Jaden Rashada this week. Um, well, Jaden had signed with Florida. Uh, he had signed a NIL deal. Um, worth $13.85 million. That's not that much money, Brody. You and I obviously both have had several deals worth more than that um, over the course of our careers. I've turned down deals like that, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, it's got to be worth your time, obviously. Um, So um, he had that money, and then he did not have that money. Uh, The Gator Collective uh, terminated that contract two days after his first $500,000 payment was supposed to be due. Um, I, I kind of talked about to the, to the coaches about, Hey, and, and, and sort of, you know, watch Jaden a little bit and, and, you know, moving on. And I think it's tough. I think you, you talk to people and I think that that'd be a difficult thing, obviously at 17 and 18. I, I can't really, I'm thinking about myself at 18 and uh, it's, I'm trying to think. Uh, well, Brody, I'll out myself now. Actually, I should out myself on this. Uh-oh. When I, <laughs> like when I was a freshman in college, uh, I participated in a reality show that was paying me eight hundred dollars a month with camera equipment for uh, America Online, like the teen service. That's how old I am, by the way. Oh my it's goodness! Not- how have, does everyone know this? Is my it's not a it's not. It's not a, it's not a secret. Is it out so. there? Can I watch it? It's not out there. I have looked. I know where some stuff is. My stuff is not on the internet. I can okay. safely okay. say that. You can't find it. That said, like that felt like it was stressful at times and, you know, I remember like $800 a month felt like a lot of money and like I just think like I was like an idiot at 18. <laughs> yes. And I think that that's hard to grapple with anywhere. And I think the the thing that I took away from it, I was talking to Brian Ward, the defensive coordinator, and, and he was talking about, you know, um, you know, Jaden, a lot of times is the poster child for what can happen. And I think what kids are going to have to figure out, because you hear rumors, you hear stuff about kids getting shorted. And, and I, I've heard a lot of that over the last year yeah. and a half of what is a real deal and what is not. And it's scary that you can sign a contract with a place that is paying other people. And then that suddenly is not real. Um, And I think that frustrates coaches because they feel like they're losing recruiting battles to ghosts in a lot of ways. They feel like guys are taking advantage of kids, talking them into sending, you know, signing stuff that, that isn't worth the paper that it's been put on. And I think we'll, we'll, I think, We'll see what that looks like, but I think the the one thing 
that I took away from it is, is the, the recruiting process is very complicated. And I'm always, I don't say I feel sorry for the families, but I, I understand I'm empathetic towards the families that yeah. this is their first kid that's going through the recruiting process because they've never gone through it. And it's very confusing to them. And you don't know what's real and what's not before the money got involved. The coaches know high school yeah. coaches know what's going on, but for kids and their parents, a lot of times they really don't know. And one of my favorite stories was I went down when I was covering Tennessee, I went down to Atlanta and hung out with Wanya Morris and his mom <laughs> for like a day. And Wanya ended up transferring to Oklahoma. Um, but his mom was saying like Wanya, like sophomore, junior year of high school, he's a big kid. And he uh, ends up, you know, getting some attention from schools and his, he's getting these recruiting letters from, I think his first offer was Syracuse and some other schools and pretty expensive schools. And his mom said, you know, he get this stuff and I want my kid to succeed. I want my kid to go for his dream. She's like, and then I was Googling how much the tuition costs. She's like, and my heart was like breaking for him because it was like, oh, these schools yeah. want you to come there. But like, I can't afford to send you there. And it was like halfway through his junior year that she kind of quietly brought this up to one of the coaches that was recruiting him. And the coach had to be like, no, like we pay for all of this. Like these are free. <laughs> yeah. And like, I've talked to coaches about that since, and that's not the first time. No, like, that, I think that people shows. overestimate how much the kids and their parents know about the recruiting process. And like, let alone now with something that is still yes. new to everyone. And, and how do we get more this predatory money? than ever? Yeah. And I think that, that you have to figure out, okay, who doesn't have my kids best interest at heart, but also how do I maximize like my kids value? Like, if my kid, if somebody out there wants to pay my kid $10 million and my kid goes to school, ah, we don't care about that. And he takes a $200,000 deal. Is that in your kid's best interest? Like, I think that was one of the things like, you know, nobody in Arizona State's like that money's bad. It's just that, you know, you want kids to, to be able to do what they can do. It's just that sometimes things get a little complicated. So I, I don't envy the parents that are having to, to tackle this because that I think is the central question um, of the future of recruiting in a lot of ways. Absolutely. And, and I think really like sometimes just, I'll just oversimplify it. Like this, the, the trend of this story is really just that it's sad. Like it's just, it's not like, I mean, I, there's that great quote from Kenny Dillingham in your story of just kind of like he lost the ability to like, enjoy the organicness of being an 18 year old kid and to your point like eight when you're a freshman in college that is when you are supposed to finally be learning a little bit about how to be a grown-up like that's the first time you're usually on your own like you're kind of learning how to do things and he got thrown into a situation where he had to know how to be a 35 year old like veteran like person doing contracts and and that's tough and by the way that's the world we're gonna be living in so we gotta adjust to it and and i'm i'm one of those people who's like player empowerment so like they're going to be fine, but it's just sad. And I think that's just the the overall truth to it, really. So it's good that he's in a place that I think, you know, you have more coming out on this. But, like, Kenny Dillingham is kind of creating a culture of just, like, like you said earlier, joy. And just kind of, like, that seems like the right place for him. And it's just a sad story. And the problem is it's not going to be the last one of these stories. And that's. The I think what will be interesting is, as we see, there are some schools who, even if their collectives are well, they got their war chests. They don't want to play this game of hey, we're gonna LSU give is one, one of those, yeah. We're gonna give a kid, you know, a million dollars. There's some schools are just like, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. Um, and there are some schools that are gonna play that game because they're like, hey, we need to get guys. Like, obviously, Tennessee is paying a lot of money for guys. 
Texas A&M paying a lot of money for guys. We know these things. Like it's fine. It, 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 we know that. What I think will be interesting is to see when these places that make these choices reap what they sow. And I don't mean that in a, in a ominous way. I just mean it like literally. Yeah. Like if you're gonna do the thing where you pay a ton of money for one guy, how does that work for you? I it might work great. Like again. Like if Nico Iamaliava wins a Heisman Trophy, people are going to say, why didn't you pay him $4 million? And they probably <laughs> will by that time if he gets to be that guy. And it's not even really about, you know, does this guy turn out? Does this guy not turn out? It's can you have a locker room that operates in that way? And if you can, yep. how did you do that? And was Great all the fear mongering about this isn't going to work? You know, guys are going to, there's going to be jealousy. Is all that fear mongering? You said, I don't care about that. And were you right? It's we're going to be very, very interesting. And the places yeah. that say, hey, we're not going to do that. We're going to spread it out. Or we're going to make it more even. Or we're not, you know, if a guy wants, you know, if another school wants to offer a seven-digit deal, we're just going to say, okay, um, yep. we're out. Thank you. Does that pay off or do you regret that? Like recruiting has changed so much and we're seeing like not everyone's going to want to play these, um, you know, uh, uh uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Game? I don't know. Yeah, whatever. No one was going to play that game. Like the, <laughs> the arms race. You know, arms everybody race, everybody yes. played the facilities arms race in part because they yes. were. I, I'm using the biggest air pro, air quotes of all time. Nonprofits that had to spend their money. Yeah. Um, everybody pretty much played that game. Not everybody's going to play the game of giving. But then in ten years, does that change? Does they say, well, you can't win unless you do this? Yeah. Or the schools that do this say you can't win if you do this. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, like we've talked about this on the show before, and this is maybe I don't know if it's a hot take or not. Like this to me, and I think you're nailing this point, is the fun part. Like it's mm-hmm. to me the fun part of sports is how different people want to run their franchise or their program, and like how there's not a right and wrong way. How some teams in the NBA and NFL are like free agency, we're going to spend. Other teams are like we build through the draft, we keep our own guys, and we don't go like and. There's no right or wrong, but each way has pros and cons. That's fun to me. Like, I'm so interested to your exact point of learning, like, who's really good at doing it that way, but what pros and cons come out of it? Like, I think that's going to add a cool wrinkle to college sports that wasn't there before. The two back to the one and done basketball point that was really interesting to me to see how, like, some teams are like UK are winning with it, some teams are winning to the antithesis of it, and how it creates a zig to the zag. And I love that. That's better for sports and for nerds like me, I guess. I don't know. Well, you've added this massive factor yep. of, you know, uh, as the uh, the poets from the Wu Tang clan, I believe, would say, cash rules everything around me. Get the money, it's, dollar, dollar bill, y'all. Yeah. It's true. Like, you know, like this is a thing that's going to influence a ton of people, and it's going to change where guys go, and it's going to change the destiny of the sport in a lot of ways. But then you add this factor in, okay, well, then you got to get your collective well funded, and then you got to figure out, okay, what is that relationship like between our collective and our and our uh, coaching staff? And if the coaching staff says one thing, does the collective say, no, we're going to get this guy anyway. We think we need this guy. You know, all these dynamics that haven't really played out yet because we're still very, very new in this world. Um, God bless college football. <laughs> I, always, I listen. I, I can't remember if I said this on last week, but when people talk about it, I always say best time ever to play college football, best time ever to cover college football, worst time ever to coach college football. <laughs> I think that nails it. Like that really nails it. And the best place to end. Yeah, exactly. So with that, Brody, this has been 
an off-season episode of Football and Grits. Thank you, Brody. Thank you, listeners. Most importantly, thank you, Liam Cohen from Kentucky, uh, Susan Lax, of course, Kentucky's uh, venerable SID for helping us out, getting Liam on the stream. Thank you, guys. Uh, for listening uh, a very educational show enjoyed uh talking to liam yeah. we'll probably have some more guests this off season um yep. uh we'll see where it goes um but thank you guys for listening this has been football and grits subscribe to the 80 staples show and friends feed if you don't already and if you do you're living right maybe somebody will try to give you 13 million dollars maybe and then actually give it to you hopefully so we'll see probably not see you guys next time <laughs>